<laughs> we are excited about what the Lord is going to do today. Mm-hmm. So as we get started, I'm going to have the prophet Chante and her immaculate uh, prophetic voice. They sing us a short song and we will get started. Praise God. Good to see y'all out there. There is none like you. No one else can judge my heart like you do. I can search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Father, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for all eternity long and find there is none. I can't find there is none. Oh, there is none. Like you. Mm, bless God for that. We thank God for that song. All right. It is Sunday, July 18th. All right. Um, this year is already halfway over. Praise God that you're halfway or even better than that towards your goals for the year. Uh, we are excited about what God is doing here with our lives. And one thing I can tell you is that um, it's just amazing to see how as we take the time to hear God, Take the time to respond and just meditate upon the things that he shared with us, the things that he wants to share. It's amazing um, the power that he gives us and helps us with in our daily experiences. So thank God for you all coming in. Uh, (laughs) Praise God. So what we got to do is um, Today is going to be kind of something else because there has been a sequence of events lately, um, particularly around this month, that are very profound, in, particularly in my life, praise the Lord. And I just got to tell you, this message was stirred by experiencing um, several great losses this month uh, as far as humans that were like fa- fathers and father figures in my life. So... You know, throughout the grief and all the stuff we have dealt with, um, God, in the middle of the grief, in the middle of all of the, um, you know, the body and the human spirit wants to kind of agonize, but somehow the Spirit of God came in and just began to redirect, you know, my affections towards what he wanted to share. And this message is pretty much... uh, a beginning this service today is an opening to dealing with that so uh, as you see on your screen and as the artwork that we put together for this generation building generation building hallelujah I know many people uh, who have may have lost loved ones lost a parent or parents lost a sibling or a child just know that uh, there is God somehow manages to give us peace in it all. You know, we want to throw our tantrums. We want to do our various things as humans we want to deal with. We kind of pick up behaviors that we see others deal with. But it's something how when the Holy Spirit begins to 
just to speak to your heart and just begin to strengthen you and help guide you through these kind of times. But uh, let me go into it. I love it, this message, because it really, really helps bring some clarity to some things. And I want to start with this generation. I want to start with definitions, as we know. Generations. Here, get your pens and pencils out of your paper or your keypads, all right? Tablets. <laughs> or tablets, or all those different devices that we have now in this generation. All right, generation is um, basically, simply speaking, it is all the people born and living about the same time regarded collectively, okay? Basically, it can be described as um, a period generally considered 20 to 30 years during which children are born, grow up, become adults, and begin to have children. So basically, if you look at the whole cycle, you have a parent, you have a child who becomes an adult, and that child begins to be in an age of childbearing age, okay? That could be 20 years. In some cases, in modern society, it's less than 20 years, believe it or not. But for the average, it's 20 to 30 years because anybody, by the time you're 30 years old, um, you're having most, most, for the most part, people are having children, okay? And, um, and then parents are experiencing the grandchildren. And, and one thing I'm excited about is seeing how, uh, just how joyful grandparents are seeing another generation of them come up in the earth. Hallelujah. So anyway, that's, that is the, uh, some of the basics. In the structural term, it's kind of dealing with a parent-child relationship. A parent-child relationship um, is also known as, I love the scientific words, biogenesis. You know, new beginnings biologically. All right, biogenesis. So that's the deal. All right. Now, looking closer, as we know, we love the entomology of these words. Um, it's amazing what you do if you just go back and look at how words were originated and how they developed over time. And you just get a whole new dimension of understanding about things, okay? So, look at this. In the entomology, generate is a word closely associated with generation, all right? The, in the Latin, both of these words, generate and generation, <laughs> here comes the kicker. <laughs> Where's the drum roll? All right. The Latin word, root word for this is genius. Genus, excuse me. Genus. So, in essence, when you look at it, genus means to produce, to give birth, or to beget. You know, in the Bible, you look a lot of times in the King James, you know, Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and all you see all those things. So, that genus you know, a sub of genius comes up. So in essence, the production of another human being is the genius of God going forth. That's the Holy Spirit. So every time a child comes forth, so that's why bearing children and having children and getting children the opportunity to be birthed from fetal stage into living stage, okay, out of the womb, is a part of the genius of God. There is miracle. Like my, my initial message back in June 21st, 
1997, well, that's 24 years ago, over 24 years ago, the very first message I preached for my initial sermon with Bishop E.L. Shepherd, under Bishop E.L. Shepherd, was the miracle of birth. So every time a birthing occurs, there's a miracle. Every time a birthing occurs, there's genius coming forth in the earth. Amen. Every child that comes forth, there is a genius that is in them inherent from the eternal father. God says, all souls are mine. That's his words. All souls are mine. That's his words. So all souls have the genius of God. He owns them. He created every soul. And he has every soul sitting in heaven's shelves, in heaven's dormitories, or in heaven's mansions, waiting for a moment to be translated into the earth realm. So the genius of God can be released into the earth. The miracle of birth. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't get stuck on that. I have a lot to share today. And this is definitely going to be a series. Hallelujah. Praise God for those who are sharing this thing out today. All right. Now, build. The root word of building. Building is the action. Build is the, um, I mean, it's, let me just go into it. Build. Build means to construct by putting parts together. Build is to construct by putting parts together. Another concept of this, uh, definition of this, build to make stronger. Or more intense. Look at that. Putting parts together to make stronger or more intense. And a third definition when we look at this is the dimensions or proportions of a body. So when you look at Ephesians 4 and 16, when it talks about the fivefold ministry of Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have God has put them forth in the earth. God puts forth spiritual genius in the earth so that there can be a measure and a stature and a fullness of Christ in all the parts he puts together through the generations. Amen. Look at that. Every generation of all time. From the days of Adam, to the days of Noah, to the days of Abraham, to the days of David, to the days of you know Moses, to the days of, of Yeshua HaMashiach, the very Son of God living on the earth, to the days of us. This is us. This is God putting us and piecing us and putting the parts together so that dimensions and the proportions of his body... Can be the genius. Mm. <laughs> can be the genius in the world. It's intergenerational. Mm. <laughs> I'm, mm. I'm a little excited about this here. So hopefully 
y'all with me on this. But anyway, let's go to a scripture. I want to break this scripture down in several versions of the Bible, okay? Look at this, Proverbs 13, uh, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to read this from several versions. The first version I'm going to read from is the Living Bible. I love it. The Living Bible is exciting. It really brings it home. That and the Amplified, I like those both. But anyway, in the Living Bible, it says, When a good man dies... He leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. But when an evil man dies, his wealth is stored up for the godly. And this other verse, verse 22, is interesting, very interesting, but I want to add it to our lesson today. It says, a poor Man's farm may have good soil, but injustice robs him of its riches. Oh, this is really interesting. Now I'll read this out of Amplified and I'll get into it in a minute. Okay. A good man leaves an inheritance in the Amplified. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the hands of the righteous. Okay, now verse 23. Abundant food is in the fallow, uncultivated ground of the poor. Abundant food is in the fallow, uncultivated ground of the poor. Look at this. And I like this. But without protection, look at this. Oh, but without protection, it is swept away by injustice. Oh my God. Let that sink in for a minute. There's an abundance in those who feel like they don't have much. We look at the poor, it's very simple. Poor. You may not have the economic viability that I think the other people may have, but there is something that is abundant in the uncultivated aspect of your life. You may, like Tupac Shakur, we've been looking at him and understanding him as a human being because he was one of God's children, okay? He made some very, pro I don't even know where I'm coming, going here, but I'm going here. We started to dissect, Prophet Shante and I, we, Tupac Shakur's, uh, uh, what was it, song? Was it uh, Tupacalypse? Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom. When we start to look at some of the words he expressed in that, you know, you know, you, know, you got to, Glean from who you can clean. You glean. So we clean and we glean. Put it like that. Clean and glean so we can get the essence of what he was saying. But he literally was prophesying this verse of scripture. That there's an abundance in those who are poor. There's an abundance in those who are in poverty. But without protection, it's swept away by injustice. And he was speaking about the injustices... 
that happened to the poor, particularly in the black communities. And when he began to sit in the stature in the parable of a judge or jury declaring the verdict for the injustice caused by the oppressors, particularly dealing with the nation where we live, it was profound. It really dealt deep within my soul. His passing was a generation ago. However, his words, a generation later, they were uncultivated at the very origin of his expression. But now they have been cultivated. We took out the weeds. We took out, you know, you know, the language. We took out some of the, you know, the the, the fringe language. We took out some of the uh, the opinions and the and the um, the hatred that was spewed at him. And you just, you know, pull those weeds out. And look at him. At, he was literally a father to many. He left a legacy of making sure that injustice doesn't consume the abundance of your life, your skill, your talent, and all that that's uncultivated in you. He spoke to a generation of young men on how to live and how not to be robbed of your abundance. Because yes, you may be poor, but it, um, um, yes, there might be a poor or poverty aspect you might be birthed into, but there is abundance in you. And now what we have to make sure and do, when we talk about generation building, we have to make sure that the abundance that is in us is not swept away by injustices in our generations or generations in the future. A lot of the good old days of farms, like particularly when we look at all the good old Westerns. My dad loved Westerns, rest his soul. He loved Westerns. One of the biggest aspects of the Westerns was how to protect their family and their farm <laughs> from those who would come from the outlaws. You know, the, the people come, oh, we're going to take over this town, you know, and the whole issue is out protecting your town, protecting your family, protecting your goods. Because there's outlaws out there, and outlaws come in many shapes and forms. They come in robes. They come in uniforms. They come in pistols. They come with stars on their chest or their arm. They come with helmets. They come with fatigues. They even come to the Capitol building with bombs. Outlaws come to sweep away the abundance of what is left to be for generations. I don't even want to talk about January 6th of 2021, about how the epitome of this verse of scripture represents that. This is all this is all bonus, you know, extra credit here, because God just had me to speak on this. But look at this. Let's move on. Mm. Let's go to Psalms 116, and I'll sip of water while you turn there. Psalm 116, verse 15. 
<sighs> Look at this. Psalm 116 and verse 15. God says, his loved ones are very precious to him. It's a living Bible. And he does not lightly let them die. His loved ones are very precious to him. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So when we say his loved ones are precious, God, the death of the sons and daughters of God are precious to him. Lives being slaughtered on the street by injustice are precious to him. You look at people standing in their garage getting shot down and mowed down by law enforcement for no reason. That is just precious to God. When people are putting chokeholds on the street because people are a little just have an angst to want to destroy people because they have a badge. I'm not against badges. I'm against injustice through badges. I'll make it plain. All right? God does not look at that very lightly. My God. God, rest in, rest in peace for all those who are taken by injustice. Just take a moment for them. Jesus. Look at it. I'm going to turn to another verse before I get into my crux of what I want to say today. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1. This is how to amplify. A good name is better than precious perfume. And the day of death, look at this, the day of death, better than the day of one's birth. Jesus. How can you even say that? When someone is birthed, we saw that their genius, how God releases himself into the earth. But when it says the day of death is better than the day of one's birth, that means that the life that you have lived and the generations that had come from you get to recognize and honor and memorialize the contribution you made to this world and to this universe. You're also returning to your source. And you're returning to the source. You're returning to your maker. Hopefully having accomplished something in here. Hallelujah. So let's look at that. When we talk about generations, you know, in studying the generations, um, there basically are seven living generations amongst us. Okay, seven, seven, um, literally. <clears throat> we have a generation, the greatest generation, they call it, which are those who are born from 1901 to 1927. That's called, they call that the greatest generation. And then they have another generation, they call it the silent generation. Those who are born from 1928 to 1945. That's my parents' generation. Both of my parents. That's their generation. They're the silent generation, as they call it. 
Now, um, after that, you have what's called, as we many of us hear about, the baby boomers generation, which is 1946 through 1964. That generation, basically the civil rights generation, as I would call it. We have the Generation X, which is my generation, my personal generation, born from 1965 to 1980. That's Prophet Shantae and I. We are Generation X. <laughs> then you have the Millennials generation. We hear about Millennials. The official Millennial age group is those born between 1981 and 1995. So millennials could literally be 40 years old now. All right? Now, Generation Z. Okay, uh, Prophet Shante spoke about that Zenith zone. But that Generation Z, born between 1996 and 2010. And Generation Alpha, as they call it, starting over again, those who will be born from, from 2011 through the period of 2025, which we now there yet. We're now in. You know, 2025 is a few years ahead of us. But this is Generation Alpha. So if you're having children now, they are gen they're Alpha Generation yeah, children. Okay? Now, look at this. Okay? Look at this. The thing that I want to share, well, I want to share those generations. There are great leaders within all of these seven generations who are leaving us. Who are actually going back to see their maker. You know, once upon a time, we used to think that when people get old, they get old and they pass. We know that God gives, uh, the scripture talks about how God gives us three score and ten, the days of man, 70 years. Okay. But the thing about it is we're having people who are passing in young age, like one of the most difficult ones we dealt with last year was Kobe Bryant. And Chadwick Boseman, they were young people. They were Generation X men. <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> Generation X. And they left us. And that was early. There is, you know, there is some, um, there was just a funeral for one of the folks from my high school who was just, who was just um, 50. Just turned 50. I mean, we have to understand that life is extremely precious. And tomorrow is not promised to anyone. It's the grace of God that we can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That song, yes, we learned that in Sunday school. and We learned that. We sung that a lot in our different orders of our religions and denominations. But besides denomination, besides just memory verse, listen, the fact that you wake up with breath in your body, the fact that you're waking up with the, the, the activity of your limbs, the fact that you wake up with the faculties of your mind is a daily miracle. I look at my own life and I realize how frail it was. There's many occasions um, I was, you know, wasn't supposed to make it past the first year. Then I wasn't supposed to make it to 16. And then I literally wasn't supposed to make it past 21. Literally, I mean, death lurked over my life in my younger years. But somehow, 
the genius of God and the uncultivated factors in my life began to get cultivated and revealed and the enemy was trying to destroy the ground. Yes, he was trying to destroy the ground, trying to destroy the soil of God's genius. But the fact of the matter is the genius of God will press forward even when things try to come to disrupt the ground that you're being that you're in to be cultivated. I hope that makes sense to you. All right? Now whether it is a sudden death or whether people have an experienced a, a prolonged uh, period of pain and suffering when they transition into glorious into the glory state the pain remains the same. Just this past weekend, someone very close to me, like a father figure, um, just suddenly passed. And I'll tell you, it was just as tremendous dealing with him as it was dealing with my father virtually a year ago, four days apart. Look at this. The thing that the Lord really has pushed upon me to share is that there is a legacy there is an inheritance. There is wisdom and a torch, a torch that becomes available with each passing leader. Oh, like particularly this week, the Lord has really began to speak to my heart and spirit and begin to calm this, the grief and to bring the power into my life to understand that catch the torch of those that have preceded you. Catch the mantle, which we'll talk about later on in another, uh, not to this session, but in another session. Catch the mantle of those who have nurtured and cultivated you. Don't just be cultivated. Catch the heart of the cultivator. Oh my God, that's something. Don't just feel good that, you know, someone, you know, uh, took out the bad stuff out of the soil of your life. Don't just be comfortable with the fact that someone gave you food on, on a table. Don't just feel comfortable that someone gave you a roof over your head. But... Understand why they did such things. Get into the spirit of the, 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 the motive, the MO, the motive operandi of why they wanted to make sure you were cultivated. When you start looking at it from that standpoint, you'll see a whole other dimension of life. Okay? Look at this. Mighty warriors of justice. Mighty warriors of progress. Mighty warriors of education and science and innovation. Mighty warriors of creativity and leadership are transitioning and have transitioned. They are not, they don't live forever. The president of my university during my tenure there, my matriculation there, we got very close, 
saw him as the first father figure outside of my home. He just passed, and we they had memorialized him last weekend, right through my anniversary weekend. And so much flooded my mind, and seeing just how much people he affected, just how many, uh, quote-unquote, children he had. Those who really caught his heart. Those who he helped cultivate. He went around into uncultivated areas and began to cultivate young men and young women and pull them out of different communities and give them scholarships and give them opportunities to have a higher education through scholar, presidential scholarship and so many other things. I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. And I'm glad I was one of them. I nearly had to be a school college dropout, not because of academics, but because of finances. He stepped in and cultivated my financial situation, allowing me to get multiple degrees with honors and awards. So what happens is when he passed, there's so much emotion. I mean, there's another level of the, there's another dimension of experience that I've had with my fellow alumni from, you know, just a whole generation that we were able to really reflect, be reignited because of the life he lived and what he sowed into us and how he cultivated us. And now we realize, and one thing God put upon me, to realize that we are now that generation to cultivate others. Never take your leaders and your elders for granted. The love for your elders is demonstrated by the vessel you are to capture their glory. You be that cup that they pour into. You be that tank that they fill up. Are you available for them to pour into you? Or are they going to go with all the stuff stuck within them because they're not able to share, give? One of the most, one of the most powerful experiences I had in my entire life was hanging out with my father for a couple days three or four months before he passed away I didn't realize he was going to be gone in three or four months but I made the time just to sit with him for like two days and the level of stuff that he was able to just release into me the level of things that he just began to speak to me about they got so personal. They got so intimate. There are things he shared, the delicacies of his heart that he began to share with me. And I'm like, wow. I was like, wow. Share me the different things he experienced over the years of us growing up. Share what his mind was like. Share what where his mental disposition was. And how he had to be committed to making sure he raising his boys. I mean, the things that he just began to share with me, it just really was, it was a new beginning. It was a new beginning. It was so incredible to hear my dad talk the way he did. That I'm so thankful that I got a chance to spend time for him. Because, you know, he's, these elders are begging They're souls are yearning 
to pour out what they know unto the people younger than them, to the young next generation beyond them. Let me say that one more time. I was mumbling a little bit, I think. We have to understand that our elders are bursting at the seams with legacy that they want to pour into their next generation. Will you make yourself available for them? Are you open? Are you open? Are you just leaving them in a nursing home? Are you just leaving in the house so to sit all day and sit on a porch and just look at skies and watch me cross by? Or are you sitting with them to, sh- to hear what they had to say? To hear the intensity of the life and the experience they had just so that we can be cultivated. Prophet. And as the, as the saying goes, I'm not sure who said it, but I believe it's a, an African saying that when an elder dies, a library burns down. And we have to get to the place where we stop letting the libraries burn down. Right. Because we get upset when they pass away suddenly. But we didn't spend the time with them to hear what they even had. So that's why do not take them for granted. Go see your parents. Go see your grandparents. Go see your elders. Go invest in them. Take them to dinner. Um, take them out on a walk. Uh, go out and just get to the pool with them. Get some fresh air with them. Let them speak and you shut up. <laughs> well, that's a rude word. Not shut up. But you quiet yourself so you, you will never get a chance to rehear the things that they have to pour out to you. You'd be amazed. Okay. I mean... When Jesus was recorded, his birth was recorded, 42 generations were mentioned specifically in regards to his birth. That is not arbitrary. When we said in the beginning, like we said, building, a gener- you know, building is to construct by putting parts together to make stronger and more intense. When you look at that, those generations are put together so that we can be stronger and more intense as we matriculate through life. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, 310. Time is just going to buy. Let me go into some heavy scripture now. Some heavyweight. That was just a lightweight. That was your appetizer and the medium course. Let's go into the entree here. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 34. Oh, such a powerful passage here. I, oh, just, <laughs> I got seven pages and I'm on page three. But it's good reading. I'm going to read some verses. Deuteronomy 34 verses 1 through 9. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I'm rocking. I can't stop rocking. I'm just really feeling the power of our ancestors. Hallelujah. Anyway, let me keep moving. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 1. Amplified, I'll read this from. Now, Moses, 
went up into the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is opposite Jericho. <laughs> Look at that. Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land from Gilead to Dan. Look at that. And all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, Manasseh and the land of Judah to the western sea, the Mediterranean Sea. And Negev, the south country, and the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. Verse 4 is so powerful. Look at this. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Let me just pause there for a second. God spoke to Moses about his ancestors. God took Moses on a mountain. And all the stuff he did saying, know what? Let me show you what you have accomplished. And I commission you based on the promises I gave to your ancestors. You don't know what your life is being a promise to. God has made a promise to generations before you that you yourself, as you follow through, get to release those promises into the earth. Mm -hmm. There are things my grandfather, God made to, promises to my grandfather. There are promises made to my father. There are promises made to my mother that my life and the call that God has put on me is an answer to their promise. Promises are intergenerational. Amen. There are things that your, gener your elders may not see in your lifetime, but God has given the promise that this will happen through those you cultivate. Mm -hmm. You do the cultivating, and what you cultivate, I will use to bring your promises. Because I don't renege on promises. Mm -hmm. God is not a politician. <laughs> Lord. Let me keep reading here. I will give it to your descendants. So not only was the promises of Moses' ancestors released through Moses, but it also was to the future generations after Moses. So your life and the call upon your life is a nucleus for those in your past and those in your future. You will live life differently when you realize that you are the promise of your past and the potential for your future. I can't even say that again. <laughs> Get the replay. Okay, let me, let me not miss this other point I want to share that God put on my heart. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. 
In verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And I'm like, why would God take him so far through so much to see the promise, but not to partake of it? Well, God knows the direct answer to that, the detailed, full, unabridged version of that. But one thing the Lord has put in my spirit and said to me that there is a window that God uses per generation. So once you have a fulfillment of the window God has put through your generation, there are some things you may have encountered, disobedience you may have dealt with, or whatsoever within the life that you dealt with and your lifespan. But the fact of the matter is that you will still be used of God and God will let you see what it is that you work so hard for. Because the mere fact of seeing what you've worked for and what God has called you for is a blessing in and of itself. God does not renege. God does not turn back on his promises. But in our obedience to the Lord, in obedience to the call, there's dimensions that we can get to in him. Whereas Moses, his dimension was limited to just seeing it, not partaking of it. But the fact that he saw it was so important. Prophet, you want to say something? And I don't know if you're going to touch on verse 9. I will. But go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. I didn't, go ahead. I, didn't, I don't want to go. Okay. Well, let me finish these verses here, okay? Um, verse 6, And they buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Verse 7, Although Moses was 120 Years old when he died, his eyesight was not dim. <laughs> Hear that? His eyesight was not dim. He didn't need. He didn't need what I have on. <laughs> Nor his natural strength strength abated. <laughs> I was just looking last night at a sixty year old, sixty four year old man doing pull ups and push ups, and looks like ripped like he's a twenty year old, sixty four years old. That's kind of like, that reminds me of Moses. <laughs> that his strength was not limited. It did not abate even at 120. How many people could say they're 120 and still could run? Still can do all kind of good stuff. That's what Moses. Moses was climbing mountains at 120, y'all. There's a way he got up to the mountain. Mountain climbing, all your rock climbers out there, you see what they have to deal with. Well, Moses did that at 120. You beat that. All right? Let me keep reading. Verse 8. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And verse 9, this verse 9, this verse 9, divine 9 right here. <laughs> now Joshua the son of Nun, 
not the son of Moses, but the son of Nun, was filled with the Spirit of God. Excuse me, was filled with the Spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the sons of Israel listened to him as did as the Lord commanded Moses. This is so vital, and I know Prophet Shante is going to share some things about this, but um, a couple more verses, and this one we may close. I don't know if we can, oh my God, let me just go. Listen, Moses laid hands, not that Moses, you know, put slap oil on on on, <laughs> on Joshua's head and, and pushed him out and he fell on the floor. No, 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 no. Joshua associated himself as being Moses' servant, as being one to help Moses in all that Moses had to deal with. So when I say he laid hands on him, Moses entrusted Joshua with what he had. How many of us as descendants of our elders can be trusted with what they have? When you're entrusted with what a leader pours out to you and your service to them, not your being a slave to them, that's not what we're talking about, but you're being a servant, someone who is committed to helping and supporting and encouraging and building and supporting what they have to do. That is recognized and God honors that. Because in verse 10, look at it, it says, and I'm give me a couple more verses. Since the time no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, not a single person, none equal to him in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all the servants and his land, and all the mighty power and all the great and terrible deeds which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. So in essence, we got to understand, we have to recognize that Yes, we have great leaders and great elders that go before us. And no matter how much we serve them, we will not be them. Mm -hmm. Understand, we will not be them. There will not be another Martin Luther King. Say it again. There will not be another Martin Luther King. There will not be another Malcolm X or Marcus Garvey. Or another Tupac Shakur. There will not be. Because what they did was great. What God called them to do was amazing. And God even made it clear that nobody's going to be like what he was. But by you serving them and by you submitting to the leadership that they have and, and helping them to carry on the mission that they had, God will honor you to do great exploits. Prophet. No, I think you I think you hit it on the head and that is um Joshua didn't lead like Moses. He had the obedience for the most part of the people because they saw that he was a servant to Moses. They saw when the people went into the tent you know, the scripture talks about how Joshua would stand outside the tent. Yes. How he would go. Yes. He would, he would go not as far as Moses, 
but he went farther than the other people around exactly. Moses. Exactly. <laughs> he hung back a little bit mm. because Moses and God had something going on <laughs> that he didn't want to interrupt. But he was the one that was willing to go farther than the others. Mm, mm, mm. And so, no, he doesn't come and he doesn't lead exactly like Moses. He also has his own signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about next week too. That are not like Moses's. Right. And so sometimes people come in your life and they're expecting you to be a, a carbon copy of the person who imparted to you. Right. And God is not calling you to be a carbon copy of that person. Oh, that's good. That's good. Preach that. He said, I'm going to give you the spirit of wisdom. Not, I'm going to give you the spirit of Moses. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Let me... That's two different things. Amen. But I'm going to stop there. All right. So, this is good. So, I'm going to say this few things in summary. But never feel guilty about weeping or celebrating your ancestors. Never feel guilty. I remember we had experience with someone wanted to call us racist because we were celebrating our ancestors. That's just strictly the devil. You do not have to feel guilty about celebrating Rosa Parks. <laughs> you do not have to feel guilty about celebrating Malcolm X. Say it again. Or Frederick Douglass. Right. Or those who God used to move the needle towards a better humanity. You do not have to feel guilty about that. They have been through so, 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 so much. So many tests. So many trials. In order to bring your world forward. When, when I looked at documentary after documentary, and one of the things that strikes me so strong mm-hmm, is that Martin Luther King talked about how he kept getting hit and how his arms were hurting and how all those marches he was being battered upon and beat upon while he marched the whole time. That, keeps, that just never leaves me. You don't know the battles they had to deal with so that you can move forward, so that you can be cultivated. God is not against us honoring our ancestors, okay? You know what? In their private moments, our celebrated elders get a realization that can only go so far, but they can share the future with you. They can only go so far, but as you sit with them, they can share and dream on the future and see the future in you. When you sit with them, sit with them, hear their true inner feelings, hear about their experiences, and you will see the fragility of their greatness. No matter how strong a leader is in a community, or a father or mother is to you, there is an acute tenderness that they protect, and they will only pour it out to someone who's willing to hear and carry it forward. So, With Moses, it wasn't his son that carried on his vision. It was his servant. So a lot of times, even your own parents, there might be people that are not your parents that you serve. That God will use to carry on generations through you. So at that point, let me just pause 
And I'm going to give it to Prophet Shante because there is so much more we're going to go on to next week. Praise God. Come on, Prophet. Well, awesome word. Happy Sunday, everyone. The last thing I want to say before we pray, because I believe that this this is a sealed word. Um, the Holy Spirit said to me very gently, he said, tell the people, don't miss the prophets in their family. Don't miss the elders that can see the future for your family and for your generations and don't miss the word that they are, that you are supposed to be receiving from your elders. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people are looking outside of their family for a prophetic word. And I, I hear it very strongly. Make sure that you are sitting down with your elders. Make sure you're calling your elders and having conversations with them mm -hmm. so that you can hear what it is as Robert uh, talked about today, about that future word. What is it that God promised your parents about their generations? What is it that God told your grandparents would happen through your generations? You need to know what those promises are. Yes. And make sure that you are, as he said, taking the time to sit before them to be able to hear to allow them to share, to be open, to listen more than you speak. So at that, I'm going to close us out in prayer. Um, 